My uh, message uh, is named, it means no worries. Sheila and I went to watch The Lion King uh, last week in London. It was fantastic. Awesome. Um, I'm always slightly sceptical about saying the word underneath because I don't think it sounds great with a British accent. Hakuna Matata <laughs> doesn't really work too well, unfortunately. Um, but before we jump in, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Um, <coughs> Dear God, thank you so much for praise you, Lord. It's great to be here, Lord. It's really great just um, for you to put this, put this subject on my heart, Lord. It's something that's, uh, that's really important to me, Lord. It's something that you've really helped kind of guide me through, Lord. And I don't know whether I've, well, I definitely don't have it solved right now, but it's really great just to be able to stand up in front of all my friends and all my family, Lord, and just, um, just kind of explain what I've learned so far and what you've taught me so far, I pray that you speak through me, Lord, and I pray you bless the rest of the service. Uh, amen. 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 So, as I said, we're going to be talking about worry today. Um, kind of tends to carry some negative connotations, but sometimes there's a good reason to be worried. You move on to the next slide, please, first. Um, so, when is it a good time to feel slightly anxious or slightly worried? Um, the first example on the top left is very obvious. The guy in the uh, light blue gi should be very concerned right now. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he's a couple of seconds away from <laughs> some serious danger. Um, and so uh, the next example, obviously, is uh, during an exam. Oh, yes. It's idea to feel slightly, slightly, uh, slightly nervous, slightly more, um, more sensitive than usual. Preaching for the first time as well. Um, uh, and my last example, finally, is uh, when you're doing something that's kind of useful but very dangerous. So when I'm at the gym, I always tend to feel slightly nervous prior to like a heavy set or prior to like a hard workout because if I don't try hard, then I can get seriously hurt. And yeah. so like these feelings have been blessed to us by God, I believe. Lord. Um, they, aren't, um, they aren't always harmful, but when you let things linger... That's when it becomes an issue. Uh, next slide, please. So, um, it's an interesting scripture to use for kind of worry, but the way I think about it is um, when you kind of let worry uh, like prolong, uh, it can become a desire in some aspect, you know. Um, the one example I can think of is um, say, for example, you're kind of you're craving a certain food, right? And you, and you sit there and you think about it and it kind of goes on in your mind and you can't, can't get out of your head. I feel like sometimes worry can do that to you as well. And in that sense, it can almost become like an addiction. It, it can almost become uh, something that you kind of want to feel, if that makes any sense at all. Um, and so in James 1, 13 to, to 15, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Or God cannot be tempted. By evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Um, so uh, the reason why I use the scripture is just to kind of illustrate how, how dangerous it is when you can let kind of destructive thoughts grow inside your mind. Uh, but luckily, the Bible has something to say about this. Next slide, please, Matt. Um, next slide, please, Matt. <laughs> Perfect. So this, 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 is a, this is a scripture that I've kind of turned to pretty much 
pretty much every day for the past couple months. Um, I feel like things are changing in life. You know, I'm moving to Bournemouth at some point soon. Um, I've, got, I've got a job out here. I can finally move out of my parents' house. I love them. I absolutely love them. But I've just been feeling uh, like a 15 stone child recently. My mum's like, you know, it's dinner, Alex. I'm not hungry, all right? It's like, finally. But, but, but like things, when things change, it can be, um, can be quite worrying and quite stressful. Um, and so this scripture is one that I've turned to quite a bit recently. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. I absolutely love this scripture, but there are two specific things that I always pick out. Next slide, please, Max. Are these two, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Um, this scripture reminds me of a passage in Genesis 32, I believe, pop on to the next slide, it says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. And this, this is valid, I believe. This is a, this is a really important part of uh, that scripture. Is when you're kind of feeling worried, you should be honest with God and you should wrestle with it and you should be willing to uh, kind of be completely transparent about how you're feeling. Um, but I also think I've missed out the, the rest of the scripture completely. And so um, what I kind of realised I was reading through this scripture on a particularly uh, worrying morning. Um, it's almost like uh, after, like after this, I'm like, I presented my request to you, God. What's happening now? How come I'm not feeling any better? How come I'm not um, uh, kind of yeah, improving? Uh, next slide, please, Bert. Uh, and these were the bits that I missed out. Uh, it says, let the gentleness be evident to all with thanksgiving and whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about such things. And so I think, or this is kind of my thought or my idea was that after you present your request to God, he provides you with, uh, with a playbook, uh, with a list of instructions of some kind that you can uh, instantly apply to your life. You pop onto the next slide, please. Um, what are the things in life that worry you? Maybe there are some changes going on. Um, we know some, some people are taking exams right now. Some people are moving on to different stages in their life. Maybe some people uh, kind of are, um, can't do as much as they can do previously. And they're worried about how they're changing and how their body's treating them. Uh, next slide, please. Um, this is a really interesting um, analogy for me because I just, I'm going to talk about fighting quite a bit during this sermon, I think. Um, and that's because it, this really applies to, to our Christian lives, you know, because we have these small 
areas of time where we've, we, where we've really got to kind of fight for our lives, fight for our spiritual lives. And there was this one example that kept on popping into mind as I was driving uh, to church this morning. And I did BJJ, which is like a wrestling sport. You got kind of pay and go and cuddle men for like an hour and a half. And, um, but you get yourselves into some situations that are really quite scary. I'm going to grab Merz for this really quickly. There's this uh, guy that was... It's a lot big, he's like six foot four, like 15 odd stone, and we were rolling, and yeah, if, if you just hop up real quick. Really? Yeah, you got me into someone just lie down on the floor. Lie down? Yeah. So to try and kind of illustrate how, um, how this feels, or how it is, you got me into something called full mount, which means that you're on top of them, and you put your full weight over them. And this guy was big, bald, and ginger. And and the feeling that, that you get, like, how did that feel, Matt? I was heavy. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the feeling that, that you get when someone that big is kind of resting on your face and all you can think is just try and keep my mouth closed. <laughs> but sometimes I can feel like that in my spiritual life. Sometimes I can feel like a big ginger man is laying on my face and I can't do anything to try and move. And it's just about trying to, um, trying to struggle through and trying to wait until that round's over. Um, it says here, we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to, to the level of our training. And so, like I believe that these, um, these kind of key points, uh, be gentle, be thankful, and keep godly thoughts in your heart, is... is is what our training is. It's what we can fall to when, when we're feeling like we're, we're being suffocated. Um, next slide, please. Uh, my first point is let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, I really, uh, this, is, this is a really interesting thought or concept to me because um, I think sometimes gentleness can be considered quite, it's, it's not kind of greatly considered, I guess. Like specifically, amongst men or like amongst kind of strong people um, in Matthew 5, 5 it says blessed are the meek because they will inherit the earth and, um, this, this guy had this really interesting interpretation of what that verse meant you just, just pop on to the, to the next slide it's called Jordan Peterson and it says a harmless man is not a good man a good man is a very dangerous man who has it under voluntary control mm-hmm. um, and as I was driving to church today two very um, Really interesting scriptures came to mind, and I'm so glad I get to uh, share this one in a uh, in a sermon. I've not got this down on the slides. So if you'd like to turn with me to Acts 14, 19 to 20. So, so yeah, uh, like I feel like sometimes it's really kind of easy to think of gentle as being kind of helpless and being weak and sometimes we're tempted to think that the Bible calls us to um, try and quell our abilities and quell our kind of um, fierceness and aggressiveness in order to um, be more like God. But in here um, it says, this is so, um, which I'm just going to kind of, this is about Paul um, and it says, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Uh, and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. 
after the disciples had have gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city the next day. And he and Barnabas left it. So, like, these guys are tough guys, right? There's, there's absolutely nothing weak about these people, you know? But um, they are considered gentle. The next one is 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27. And I'll just read it out for you real quick. Um, then it says... I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have co- I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. So this kind of just illustrates the exact same point here. If you'd like to pop onto the, the next slide, please. One fantastic example that um, has kind of been running through my mind recently uh, is the kind of difference be- between, like, who's, like everyone's seen the Lion King here, haven't they, right? So there, there's, a, there's a portion in time where Simba runs away and kind of seeks a, a worry-free life or seeks a, um, a kind of carefree life. And um, this, this kind of is, like, I guess, what we could, could, con- could consider to be gentle. But, um, like, I guess it's not. It's kind of the quote said previously. It's kind of, he's, he's completely useless, essentially. Like, when, when he meets Nala again, she pins him, and he's just like, there's nothing, um, there's nothing to work about. Does that make sense? And then, like, like, as you go through the story, and he goes and comes out of the other end, um, you can kind of see what, what kind of true gentleness is, I guess. Is kind of having the ability to uh, cause harm to children. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at two examples of how Jesus dis- displays this next. If you like, hop into the next slide. It's John 8, uh, 1 to 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in, in, in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and Jesus said to his teacher, this, and, they, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in an act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. He kept on, they, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you without, you who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. 
she said, neither, neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Um, so I think sometimes when we're kind of reading about Jesus, it's very easy to kind of, or like the outside perception, it's very easy to see him as like a very meek, mild, mild uh, man and person. <coughs> like it's kind of clear to us how he's changed two uh, millennium later, still like has an impact. He must have been fiercely uh, charismatic. And like if you look at the way he sometimes treats Peter, you can see you can play a little bit rough sometimes. Um, the next one, next slide please, uh, is uh, just when Jesus is just about to be taken away. And I absolutely love this kind of part of the Gospels because you really see Jesus' human side to a certain extent. You start to see kind of how he's really feeling on the inside. And it says, with that one of Jesus' com- companions reached for a sword, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all you who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? That say it must happen in this way. Set exact same example. Next slide, please. Um, but sometimes when you're feeling worried and when you're feeling anxious, it feels good to be... Aggressive. It feels good to not be gentle, you know. Um, one example I can think of is we, like at work, we're always having uh, kind of interesting ideas and debates. I feel like it's it's kind of almost kind of pseudo-intellectual, quasi-intellectual, like as in like people can come across as clever if they're atheists. And so um, I always end up in kind of kind of partially heated conversations with a lot of people at work and um, this, this one uh, time we were talking about uh, a kind of a very sensitive topic, we were talking about the, the topic of abortion and um, I don't know too much about it if I'm completely honest but at this point in, um, in my life I felt like I needed to kind of make someone feel bad, I felt like I, I you know, w- uh, wanted to boost my own confidence by uh, trying to prove myself right, I guess, in this uh, situation. And so, um, uh, like, I, like, I guess, like, when, when in your life can you feel like uh, you want to try and boost your own confidence by making other people feel um, I feel like it's, um, it's kind of very easy to... Uh, kind of cover it with the guise of being spiritual or kind of helping someone grow or helping someone uh, move on but we really need to kind of guard our hearts I guess when it comes to um, how we treat people because I feel like when when worries in our life and when we can get anxious we kind of have the tendency to lash out at people and kind of not treat them in a gentle way um, next slide please Merce. the second point Whatever it is. So we, well, we obviously have that long string of things that we should be thinking about in our lives. Um, could you pop onto the next slide, please? And it's really interesting because um, I've been looking, or I have looked a lot into the past as to how our experiences shape our world and how our experiences shape our mindset. Um, there's this really uh, 
really complicated thing that we learned in philosophy years and years ago called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which is how um, the language you speak shapes the way that, that you think, essentially. So, like, how your experiences can uh, shape your mind. Um, and in this example, um, the Sapir-Whorf had a look at the Hopi Indian tribe. And basically, the way they speak means that time doesn't work in the same way to them as we do. And I tried to look it up and understand. There was a diagram at one point, but I couldn't make heads nor tails of it. So um, I didn't include it. <laughs> but, um, but it's crazy because time just works com completely different to them. Um, and it's all because of the kind of their experiences and their inputs as they grew up. Next slide, please, Merce. Um, this was a really interesting example. Um, I read the book. Has anyone read the book Outline? No, yeah, and so it's a really interesting book. It kind of shows how um, maybe people's um, successes aren't as um, random as you think they are. Uh, people like the the way people's lives have been led have kind of um, made them uh, more successful in certain areas. And this was a really interesting example to me. Does anyone speak any ch kind of Chinese dialects at all? <laughs> Today. Oh, okay, perfect. So, if I get this wrong, please give me a shout. But from what I can tell, the uh, numbers in kind of Mandarin or Cantonese are, are much more logical than they are in English. Am I correct in saying that? Um, and so, like, for example, um, 465 is written 400, 6, 10, 5. Is that true, Rob, or am I wrong? Okay, perfect. And um, so, the, when, when kind of uh, children that are Chinese are growing up, they find it a lot easier to do mental arithmetic than uh, English people can. Because their structure in which they kind of base that maths is a lot more simple and it's a lot more easy to translate. Apparently, the uh, numbers uh, 4 and 7 are P and C. Yeah, no? And um, <laughs> they, they take about a quarter of a second to say, as opposed to a third of a second to say in English. And this means that um, uh, if you kind of say, like if you say like a string of numbers in Chinese, it, it takes less time to run through all of them. And apparently you have like a two second memory loop in your brain for when you're memorizing digits. And so in Chinese, you can memorize more digits than you can in English. Next slide. Um, there's, this fan, there's this fantastic uh, quote, I believe it's by Albert Einstein, I've heard it is, and I'm sure you guys have all heard it previously, and it says, does cold exist? In fact, cold does not exist. According to the laws of physics, what we consider cold is in, re in reality the absence of heat. Uh, does darkness exist? Darkness does not exist either. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. We can study, but not darkness. Evil does not exist. It is just like darkness and cold. God did not create evil. Evil is the result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in its heart. Um, this, is, uh, this is really kind of refreshing, I guess. And really, uh, this is really helpful to me because I feel like sometimes it's really easy for me to try and focus on not worrying. I'm trying to focus on, on not sinning or not being tempted or not letting this kind of this, this mindset continue, but this kind of really um, eloquently illustrates how 
all we have to do is kind of fill our hearts with, with God and with God's word. And um, the other things kind of pushed out um, in the process. Jump, jump onto, the, on, onto the next slide, please. Um, and it's really interesting uh, because I've come across a whole bunch of scriptures in, in the Bible that are essentially kind of cheat sheets to how you should, um, how to have a godly mindset, right? Um, and this, this one is uh, very popular in Galatians 5, 17, 22 to 23. It says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Uh, but the fruit of, of the spirit is love, joy, peace, for, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against things, against such things. There is no law. Um, and so, this is, I guess, this is just another example of kind of all the things we should be uh, filling our minds with as opposed to uh, worrying about not sitting, I guess. Next slide, please, sir. Uh, this is the exact same thing. So, um, like, it's interesting. Oh, one of the times when I feel like I'm worrying or one of the times when I feel like I can be quite anxious is kind of directly after something I've kind of gone wrong in some area. Directly after I've fallen short in some area of my life. And it's, it's, it's really easy for me to kind of wallow in self-pity and wallow in worrying about how am I going to get over this sin? How am I going to be able to develop the self-control or the patience to be able to deal with this? And it says, see what, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Amen. Um, amen. Let's change slides. Last point, with thanksgiving. Um, this, is a, this is a strange one for me because I always thought like, why do I not feel grateful for the great things that are going, are going on inside my life? Mm-hmm. And I feel like what I've learned kind of over the past couple of weeks or months is that like in a lot of ways, gratitude isn't a kind of a feeling as much as it is an action. Jump onto the, on, on the next slide, please. This is uh, an absolutely amazing verse I came across years and years ago when uh, Chris Watkins told me to try and focus on rejoicing slightly more. It says... Uh, though the fig tree does not bud, and there, are, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Next slide, please. Um, there's this fellow called A.J. Jacobs, who's written a bunch of really kind of interesting books, um, and he uh, had this practice when he was uh, just about to eat dinner uh, uh, with his family. And that was to thank all the people that were responsible for making that meal. Um, apparently, at one point, his son told him that that uh, was a dumb idea because no one could hear him. And so he went on a kind of journey to thank, to thank everyone that was responsible for making his morning cup of coffee. And so he started off with the barista and then uh, the person that... Uh, drove the beans to the uh, uh, coffee shop and the people who laid the road down and the people who made the asphalt and what you kind of what you start to realize is there are so many things in life to be grateful for 
um, when you when you when you take your time to really look at it. Um, also, one one kind of thing he started to notice is like, has anyone heard of the phrase "fake it till you make it"? Everyone's everyone's heard it. I I personally I'm not too keen on that um, <laughs> phrase. If I'm, if I'm completely honest, I remember once I was sat down at work and I like organised this meeting to like help improve the efficiency of the billing process in our team. And I was like, halfway through the meeting, I was like, what? what am I doing here? Like, why am I doing this? This makes absolutely no sense at all. There's a real like, kind of imposter syndrome moment. But in this, in this case, it really seems to work. Like, after you practice being thankful, you do end up feeling more thankful. Yeah. So like, I guess with, with this, what I kind of challenge or what I say is like, really take some time to think about all the great things that are going on. Even when things uh, seem seem terrible, there's always uh, there's always something there. Um, yeah. Pop into the next slide real quick. And but if there's but if you can't think of anything, just remember God loves you. Yeah. Pop into the next slide. Um, this scripture was really kind of impactful to me. It says in see if I can find it real quick. It says in Romans, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yeah. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Next slide, please. I absolutely love this verse. Um, John T. showed me this verse when we, when we were having breakfast with and I Sometimes I find it quite hard to kind of wrap my head around or try and understand God's love and try and understand um, what, uh, like how he feels about me, I guess. Um, and as we kind of close up and get into the communion, um, one of the thoughts that runs through my mind is sometimes it's really difficult for me to try to, um, sometimes I feel like I can get kind of desensitized to the, to the, to the cross, does that, does that kind of make sense? Because yeah. I've not experienced anything trying. Like I can't, it's so difficult for me to try to re- relate to that one aspect. But this, this scripture really impacted me in just the kind of like uh, the fierce and jealous love that God, that God has for us. And it says, praise be to the, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. For he chose us in him before creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Give me a second, I don't know. Um, Holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship uh, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. God enjoys us and he and like he created us for his pleasure. And this was one thing that I just couldn't, like it just completely blew my mind. I don't know why it was so difficult to try and understand, but it just like the fact that God loves me and wants, and wants me to be around is crazy. And um, this last scripture, I'm sure I've shared a hundred million times, but I absolutely love it. I was speaking to a mate about it yesterday. And he says, um, this is the parable of the prodigal son. And this is when he's gone away, he's done a bunch of bad things, and he's going to come back. He wants to come back humbled, 
uh, and ask if he can be uh, one of his father's servants. And he says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son and threw his arms around and kissed him. This uh, kind of image in my head of this kind of old, rich man, kind of um, uh, completely forgetting about stature, you know, he was watching him. He didn't care. He just wanted to, to kind of hold his son and have him back again. Um, and this uh, kind of really helped me to uh, kind of understand how God feels about me and how God loves me. So um, I guess as we go into the communion, let's, re- let's remember or kind of, kind of learn how much God loves us and how much he, he wants us um, and, takes, and how much pleasure he takes in us. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for praising Lord. Thank you that I could be here. Um, I can't express how much this means to me, God, really. Just how you um how you love me lord and you love everyone here and how um it's like how you take pleasure i guess in our lives lord and like just just up to the point where um you were willing to uh kind of send your son down and kill him for us lord is uh, is, is absolutely is absolutely incredible i thank you so much for, uh, for this scripture it's kind of philippians 4 to 8 has kind of guided me um, over the past few months, Lord, and just really helped me to understand that um, there are like there are kind of set there like the Bible can give us instructions, direct instructions on how we should be dealing with challenging situations in life. Lord, I pray that you bless the bread and you bless uh, the wine as we go into communion. Uh, amen.
Je suis trafiquant. 